0: Welcome back to the RIDcast. This is Isaac Hunter. We have CJ on with me again today. p actually couldn't be here because he's at Smokers Anonymous <laughs> finishing up his meeting. So on the last episode, CJ was also with us with Nate Stroshine, and we talked all about customer experience and also just life experience. Nate had some bombs that he dropped for us. So go give that a listen. Today we've got Matt Shirley and Toast. Sherls and Toast. Super Shirley. excited to have Shirls these two on.
1: Toast. Matt Shirley, a.k.a. The Shurls, Toast, a.k.a. Parker Edgington, for
2: anybody that doesn't know.
1: Um, yeah, we're, we're super excited to have these guys on. I'm, I'm pumped to get this one started. I'm going to give a little intro of these guys for any of the listeners that don't know these guys. Matt Shirley and Parker Edgington ran our top team as far as revenue that was produced, and they're running a super elite sales force. They're amazing, but a little background individually on them. Matt started with us four years ago, and his first summer coming out with us, he was our top rookie. He sold 275 accounts. The next summer, he sold 440 the summer after that he sold 520 and then he came and started a branch with us and the first year in his branch he beat his best summer by close to 100k in rev while running a team starting a branch working with the branch managers super impressive going on to parker aka toast toast his first summer did 325 accounts and then we started rid and we brought parker on and he had the opportunity to come in and start a branch and there was a, it was a little controversial with toast coming on because he hadn't recruited but what we knew is that this guy was a psycho and so we knew he would and he went out and recruited 20 ish guys and was a beast him and matt teamed up together it was a perfect partnership we can dive into that once once we get this started but this year he sold 380 accounts while both running the branch running the team leading from the front these guys are both
0: beasts let's get into it
2: three two one zero we uh, uh.
0: We had to swap the intro for you out. guys.
3: Hey, appreciate it. That was that, that was a new intro. That was I better. Like that one. Way better. Welcome, you guys. Hey, so, thanks for the thanks for the ETH siege. You got appreciate you get it. that I just got it. Just came through. So. <laughs> 1.32 ETH. We well, needed that. Kind of rich right now with that ETH. I don't know. I needed that. It's well, been down a little bit lately. Why don't you give them where that ETH came from? CJ and I have invested in a casino. We have about (laughs) five, ten other friends that are in on it. Yep. It's called Gambling Gapes. You've probably heard of it. It's pretty big in the metaverse.
0: If you guys have ever watched Squid Game, my wife and I were watching that last night. Have you guys seen that? Oh, yeah. The first couple episodes, that dude that just ends up on Squid Game because... His gambling problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah, wait yeah, to yeah, watch yeah, these yeah. two. Just uh, that's, that's, red dude, light, green light. No, no, no.
1: That is not me, but that is totally Toast. That's me. Toast, 1,000%. Yeah,
2: toast, toast
1: literally has it's, a gambling
2: addiction. I think at all times, Toast probably has like, <sighs> this might not be something the public wants to know, but like, Toast probably has like a couple thousand dollars always running in some sort of bet and gambling, There's, like hey,
3: at all times. They're locks though. I got five,
2: five bets today. <laughs> Bets have been placed. If you guys need a good bookie, college I Toast, basketball. I, I think Toast is your best bookie out there. I'm good. He's basically, we call him Caesar because he's the palace of all bookies. Just
1: <laughs> <laughs> keep on winning. There really probably is 5 know. to 10K circulating Circu-
2: uh, all times. at all times. I hang out with Parker probably every day when he's in town, and Parker's 24-7 on his phone. I'm like, what are you doing, texting somebody? He's like, no, 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 I'm placing bets. That's <laughs> it. Like, I, I don't think it's gambling. Moves. It's like investing when you when you do it right. Well, if you want to think of it that way, it you makes you feel better. Sure. <laughs> If
1: you, if you do it the right way. If you, you feel win. comfortable meeting with your bishop and approach, <laughs> yeah. approaching it that way.
0: When Squid Game has a season two, I can't wait to see Toast as like the star of the, episode, of the I'd show. i so, get pretty
1: yeah. far in that. So it's one last question on, on gambling and owning the casino and the, the, the gambling apes, NFTs. With your gambling addiction... <laughs> <laughs> Do you think – I want a truthful – It's not an addiction. I want a truthful answer. Do you think – at what percent are you up or are you down overall? Overall, I'm up. By – you can give percentages. We
3: know you're all rich. We don't Um, have to – I mean, if you go into like crypto, stock market, that kind of stuff, I'm up pretty high. Kay. Sports gambling, I'm down a little probably
2: <laughs> There sports have been betting. some times I've been with Parker where I was like, alright dude Just let's sit in the room the rest of the night and not have to worry about this Like the UFC fights, there's been mm-hmm. a couple nights on those when Parker I feel like was suicidal on a couple things Maybe not suicidal, I mean, but like it, suicidal. We, we, We've,
3: we've, we've stumped <laughs> some there. some pretty
2: low lows with a couple of the sports bets I mean, I'm
3: pretty good at UFC, but when the guy dude. illegally knees him in the head <laughs> When he's up, four rounds you got a grand on it, it. It sucks.
2: Yeah, that was a that was a memory I'll never forget. We're in Hawaii. I, really I, I felt anything. that one for you really that one hard. Hurt. Yep. So, Peter, I wanna,
3: thanks, Peter. I want to give a quick shout out, real quick,
1: to Already Gone. If you don't know it, get to know it. <laughs> so, let so Go to already. Is it I, yeah. I would imagine that's that wasn't uh, taken. You, uh, no, it wasn't. Wow. It wasn't. Because well, I I spell guess, it differently. I guess all a l r d y. Yeah. Wasn't taken. Shout out already gone. If you don't have a hat, go get one. Go snag quick, one if you can. The hoodies
2: are coming out. They'll be gone before you know
1: Listen, it. Listen, if you guys think NFT drops are hard, wait till you yeah. start learning what already gone is. <laughs> So, how has that been going?
2: It's going really good. I well, saw the
1: Grit guys rocking it.
2: Yeah, a lot of the Grit guys. Good are... network
1: to tap into. Yeah,
2: I love the Grit guys. Like, they're amazing. They're a great network to tap into. Yeah, it's, it's going good, man. I, I heard got... they
1: have like 4,000 recruits. And if you tap into that and you're buying that much, <laughs> dude, they are that is going to start going to streamline fast.
2: Yeah, they're, they're a good network to tap into. <laughs> so, tell us about Already Gone. It honestly goes back a lot further than what people would think. When I got home for my mission, I was like, yo, one of my friends hit me up and he's like, dude, I have a clothing brand. And I was like, dude, that's so sick. I've always wanted to start something like that and anyways he lived in seattle i lived in utah and it just like didn't work out and then ever since then like i was like a cool thought in the back of my mind i was like oh i to start a clothing brand and for like the past couple of years always try and think of like names ideas like concepts of things to be a little bit different anything like that and like when i do school projects like i'd base it off some clothing brand and it just like never really came in anything because i didn't want to push it really hard and then when we started Rid. Me and Parker were like, yo, we should get an embroidery machine so we can, like, merch out our own, our boys and stuff with everything. Vox was too slow. Vox was too Way slow. too slow. We, and we had all this Green X stuff that we're just like, oh, let's just slap logos over it. And like, you <laughs> we know. We spent it's 1500 like, bucks on that machine. Yeah, we spent a lot of money on that machine. And um, so is Parker in on already gone? Parker's in Parker gets I still pay for the hats, but I. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, bro. I did use <laughs> no, so many I... free hats. I've gotten a few free hats. Parker gets anything already gone for free. Yeah. Really? Yes. It is whatever comes in, gets free. Come in the basement. Come in the basement, I say, go shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Grab grab my hat. Well, so how it started is, so we had this embroidery machine and it's also a sewing machine. And I started making RID stuff and I was like, dude, this is so sick and so fun. Like I love the creative process behind it. And one of the things where people always fail with clothing is in order to start something, you have MOQs. They're like your minimum order quantities. Mm -hmm. In order to get anything made you're dropping thousands of dollars mm-hmm. and it's really expensive. And so me thinking, I was like, oh, I'm just going to like test this out to see if people actually like it. Like I'm not going to make it official or anything. And so I just started making like little hats and then I'd start making hoodies and embroidering stuff on things like that. And then I'm just like, I'm just going to wear this around as something that, you know, nobody's going to know what it is, but see if I get compliments on it.
3: There's some sick backpacks
2: and backpacks. Yeah. I've recently got into Are you rolling out backpacks. Sick. Probably going to do high end duffel bags. Sick. Ooh, they're pretty sick. Yeah. And so I just started wearing it around and people started complimenting me on it. And they're like, that's so sick. Where do I get that? And I was like, oh, thanks. Like, I just I just make them. And whenever you do anything kind of creative, it's vulnerable. And so you're like, what the heck? Like, I don't, I don't want to put this out because it's like kind of your passion, like your thoughts and everything. And so you're always kind of nervous because what if somebody just craps on it? And so I just kind of did it that way, started getting somewhat of attraction. And then people liked it. And then I just like, all right, let's just start doing a couple hats here and there and then it's grown somewhat. Like I don't do it for money or anything like that, but it's
1: just well, kind of fun. I think one thing that's cool and we can kind of start diving into this. One of our first questions was already gone and, and what kind of inspired you to have the entrepreneurial mindset to to be building that. One thing that's really cool with Rid that we talk about a lot is you're building a business, right? You guys yeah. you guys are both both owners and, and you're building a business, but you're building a business that is a grind. Like the summer is a grind, but it also allows you to have a tremendous amount of free time in the off season that you can go focus on other passions, other desires, other dreams. So I think that's something that's really cool and may be interesting to some people. It's like when you're building something long-term versus just a summer over summer over summer thing, you can go focus on something else
2: that you get to build something long-term as well. No, 1000%. Like I don't do this for money. It's just like, it's a fun passion project.
1: But I will say something, and this comes from the mouth of Jason Wilde. A lot of companies that I feel like get started and actually get a lot of traction and blow up and get big, it's usually like a quick idea, just like what you did. You get a sewing machine, you're busting out hats. Yeah, you're probably not making a ton of money right now, but it's like you're actually truly building a brand that could potentially turn into something.
2: Yeah. And if it did, great. If not, like I don't... Where's the landing pad? It's the launching pad.
0: Already gone to the moon. To the moon. Well, a lot of people too, when... A lot of people are just talk too. Like they say they want to do this, they say they want to do that. So I think that speaks to Cheryl's too for actually going out and getting it done. I also am glad we have CJ here. I think it's a good opportunity to to say that we should probably do a already gone rid collab for the reps this summer. That could be interesting.
1: That That would would be be interesting.
2: A rid already gone collab.
0: Once already gone has jock straps, let me know. I'm all (laughs) in.
2: Banana hammocks. Those are the next things we're rolling yes. out. Yeah. Make a banana hammock. We'll put already
1: gone patches no, on the just back like, back of our rep shirts, and then for every customer that asks, we'll we'll forward them to the website. We'll forward them to the website. Yeah. Well, it's not a bad idea. We'll be in talks. Be big.
0: So to jump into it, guys, we want to ask you guys because, like CJ said in the intro, you guys were the top team in the company. You guys did really well. You guys won the league as well. What would you say attributed to that success?
3: Throughout the whole summer, I think our guys were just really competitive. Me and Matt especially, but almost everyone on our team. We had competitions going throughout the whole summer, week after week. There were just different competitions, tons of sick prizes, and we got hyped for those. Shout out Baylor Green, Baylor yeah. Green, talk especially. about a competitive guy.
2: Oh my god, that guy!
3: I had a, yeah. my first ten day, and the next day he has twelve. Yeah. He's that and guy that like that's what like drives him. He's got to be yeah. the he's got to be the best always.
2: That's yeah, amazing. It's oh, a great
1: quality. Um, yeah, I, I think one thing that goes to that too that you're kind of explaining is like when when people have that mindset and they're that competitive, everything trickles from the top down. Yeah, and I think we saw that in Tampa.
3: Competitions would always get out earlier. It would always stay out late. Baylor would get dark. He'd have four doors, four cells after after nine thirty.
1: Yeah. Speaking on that, how many teams in the industry do you think
2: stop at eight o'clock? What percentage? A majority of all of them. Like, I feel like whenever I run into somebody on the doors or, you know, we'll be talking and they'll be like, like, what time do you stop knocking? Like 8.15. So I'm basically finishing up my callbacks.
1: Okay. And then how often do you think by pushing that extra
2: hour, what percentage of revenue is rolling in after that hour? But you're probably getting 10 to 15 counts after 8.45. I feel like on a nightly basis, we would With the team, we yeah. Get, the yeah. team yes yeah. yeah so.
1: so it's like, that's, that's one thing if you're listening to this and you want to learn how to compete harder. Like, there's one little nug. That's what the people yeah, want. They want they the want nugs. nugs.
0: Especially yeah. for those that aren't even in the industry, too. I think that's just a good principle to learn, even if you're at, like, your 9 to 5 or whatever. You know, my dad, for example, is one that he works so hard and a lot of the times he's not compensated for that the ways that we are too right like because he's getting on that salary versus us you know on commission and things like that but he's an amazing example to me of putting in the extra work and going working that extra hour kind of like we are you know it pays off it really does that's why these guys were the top team in the company
3: yeah everyone on our team had a segway which I think was awesome. Yeah. I think it honestly makes those nights a lot easier. Oh, 100%. Not,
1: doesn't suck knocking at so night. So that, that poses a question, though. Is the Segway worth the investment? I know oh, my answer. 1,000%.
2: Okay, but yes, what about yes, yes. I'm
1: poor, I'm new, I don't have enough sales?
2: Make a deal with your manager. Yeah. Make a oh, deal with your yeah. manager to get the Segway. Get the Segway. Yep. Callbacks, <laughs> like, it just makes it so much easier. You knock on you know, you, doors. You can, knock, you can hit, knock fresh doors way later. And then you still have time to go hit all your callbacks because you can just rip through them.
3: Amazing conversation starter. Yeah. Everyone loves asking what that thing is you're riding. They've already seen you ride past their house once or twice throughout the day.
2: If you're milking the area, they've seen you in there for the past maybe. five days. Yeah, Just ripping around. They that want that Segway guy to walk, knock on their door. Seeing you maybe hit a couple cars on it What's accidentally while you're looking down <laughs> your iPad. Dude, when they
1: see Toast <laughs> with, his, with his mullet... <laughs> Rolling
2: down the street just on a Segway, blowing in the
1: wind. They're they're excited nice. for that guy to knock on their door. <laughs> I've
3: Dude. seen a few people have seen me crash on that thing in sidewalks. <laughs> yeah. That I'm looking at my iPad and there's a little <laughs> two inch gap in the sidewalk.
0: Carson Murray, a couple scars in California. When we knocked in California, Yelp just haunted us. Like Yelp was, everybody was on it and everybody was using it. And there was a person who posted some pictures, like, of, a, of Carson, where he had his Segway. There's a picture of him, like, waiting at the doorstep. And then the Segway oh. starts to roll down oh, and then just bashes right into this person's car. And you can, like, <laughs> see him, like, running after it. Oh, my gosh, dude. <laughs> I'm
2: not going to lie. Yep. It hasn't hit any cars, but I've definitely caught it on the way hitting a couple cars. So, When
3: those wheels start spinning fast on you, you lift it up. Yeah, gotta watch your shins
1: <laughs> okay so moving on and this is kind of a in-depth on what we want your guys's advice opinions thoughts so is is leadership something you can develop or is it something that you were given an ability that you have are you
2: born a leader or can you develop it right i think it's like a so i feel like a lot of people they do have just more natural born leader characteristics and that's the sense of being able to be comfortable and talking in front of people and like the leader that we all look at as like a general leader, somebody that leads a group of people, right? The manager, or whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, too, it's like there's so many different kind of like silent leaders that just lead by action. And I don't think that's something that somebody's born with, right? Just by setting a tone or doing anything, just kind of in general by being themselves and being a hard worker. It def- depends on what you define as a leader, right? I think there are definitely some characteristics that you can develop and like grow over time, like being comfortable in front of people, being able to lead from the front and your work ethic and stuff like that. But I think it's definitely, it's kind of can go either way, depending on what way you look at a leader.
3: Yeah, I think you can definitely become a leader if you want to become a leader. Uh, I think the main things are just surrounding yourself around other leaders. If you surround yourself around guys that are leaders, you'll naturally just become a leader. I think if you aren't a leader naturally and you want to become a leader, you start reading books about leadership. And if you want to be a leader, I think anyone can be a leader. You think you can become one? I think you can become one if you want to.
0: One other thing that I think is super important with leadership is if any of you have ever seen the Dancing Guy video, it's kind of like a little viral video on YouTube. But there's this dude dancing in the middle of just this grass field with a bunch of people around And everyone's kind of like laughing at him. He's the only dude dancing. But then one person hopped in. And he was dancing for like a good two, three minutes by himself. And then one person hopped in. He was the first follower. And then within like a minute, there was just a mosh of people. So I think that to speak to these guys' points, there is some level of inherent ability, some natural level of leadership. It is something that you can develop. But it's okay to also not always be the one taking the reins because in this example the first follower was the one who really had the power and so sometimes it's okay to be a follower too you don't always have to be a leader to have power so yeah I yeah. think
1: that's I mean that's that's good going off what uh, kind of my feelings towards it is I think Matt and Parker both hit it on the head and Isaac as well with that example but it's like I agree with Matt in the aspect of I think some people are born with qualities that make them make it easier for them to mm-hmm. be a natural leader. And then to Parker's point, I agree 100% though that anybody can become a leader. It's a choice that you need to make. And I think some great starting points are the one that sticks out to me the most is surround yourself with leaders and put yourself in a position where you're around those qualities, around that work ethic, around those guys leading by example, and start watching and doing what they're doing You've all heard the the saying, like you are who you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's that to a T. And then one thing to add to that is like, if you're listening to this and, and you feel like you're not a leader, you feel like you want to be that, but I just have a hard time. Maybe you're not as social, maybe you're not as good as salesman. Maybe like there's probably a lot of things holding you back. It's like make those leaps and those stretches and, and get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable to strive to become a leader because so many other opportunities are going to open up in your life if you can be a
2: leader. Yeah, like to piggyback off that, like if you think about any leaders or people in your life that you kind of like look up to, it's like you look up to them out of respect and they've earned that respect through some way. Like there's probably some shy kid that really doesn't think he's a leader or anything like that, but he does something that you really respect. Like in a way, he's leading you. When I look at it, it's like as long as you're trying to develop traits that are
0: respectable, like you can be a leader in your own way. There's three types of leaders. When I've looked at the leaders that I have had in the industry since being in the industry for the last 4 years, there's three types. There's servant leadership where there's the leaders who are always just putting the needs of their reps first and the needs of others first. There's transformational leadership which is people that try to inspire others, try to motivate others which I feel like CJ probably, you know, fits into that category the most. And then there's also transactional leaders which none of them are bad. And the reason I'm bringing this up is if you want to grow as a leader, maybe identify what it is that you can really dial in on what you want to be better at. Mm -hmm. And the third is transactional, which you guys talked about competition and how you guys are always pushing yourselves. Maybe it's for that next incentive. You know, you won the league, you guys won basically everything out there. I remember it, the prize pickup you guys literally just had everything
1: it was a little uncomfortable seeing those guys up on stage compared to some of the other teams <laughs> it was. It got,
3: you got a little was it awkward it a little awkward and no, dude, we it felt right. and no it did feel right F-
0: felt right I mean, I mean i'm kind of throwing you on the spot here but do you feel like there's a way that you have kind of morphed into your leadership positions and kind of what helps you be a good leader
2: for me at least it's kind of like seeing like the leader's In my life for, like, Carson and CJ, because, like, in a professional setting, that's kind of what I've I've been around. Carson has been out with me every summer except for this last one. And so everything I kind of did was based off what Carson would do when he was out there. And so 100%, it's kind of been influenced by the people that have, like, led me. And then there's a lot of things that CJ does that I feel like... I tried to emulate, but those are a little bit harder. CJ's pretty good at what he does. No, no yeah, no, no.
0: No. I feel like CJ is definitely like transformational. Like he's yes. he's there to inspire, and motivate, 100%. dude. Seabird, he's dude. servant leadership for dude, me. One Matthews. thousand percent. Carson, example.
2: yeah, example. Like Carson, yeah, he's probably like if you want to talk about like inspiring people, like Carson, because I spent so much time with him. was, like one of the like most inspiring, probably influential people like I've had in my life. Well, and sure. he gives back. Too. Yeah.
1: Just to touch on that with, with Carson and not to go off here on a tangent, but we've got to give our sh- shout out to, to C bird. No, we have t- to tip your hat yeah. to him. But yeah. like, did you talk about like leading by example? I think that is one oh. of the most important qualities that if you want to be a leader or if you are a leader that you have to have, you oh. have to lead well, by example. And that is exactly what he did. I will never forget when that guy, and this was this was a few years ago, so this was a big deal, but Carson's track record was he wasn't just this psycho beast from day one. And he fits a little bit more, and I think he would agree with me on this, and, and I and this is a compliment, but he became a leader over time. And mm-hmm. I think that is the most respectable thing because I think he had to push outside of his comfort zone. And one of the things he did the best was he just led by example. And he just went out and did it. I'll never forget when we were sitting in a room full of all of the Green X leaders and everyone was saying their goal for sales. And he had done 400 the year before, which was a big deal. Like, by the way, pest control numbers have gotten crazy, crazy. obviously. But it's really happened specifically the last few years. But so 400 at the time was just a huge feat. And he said he was going to do 600. Seriously, I was like nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, dude, why did you just say that in front of everybody? Deep down a little bit, right? Like I had faith in him. Dude, he went out there that summer said he was doing 600 and that was exactly what he did. He went out there, did 600. That was the Detroit summer. Charles, yeah. you were out there with that him was and there's never been a more flawless, smooth, fun, exciting summer with sales reps all involved and everybody played a role in that. Matt, you played a huge role in that, but Carson was the one who made that happen and it was it was amazing to watch.
0: Yeah. No, for sure. Toast for you. We just talked about Seabird a little bit. A little shout out to him. Now let's give a little shout out to CJ. Uh, what, uh, as his uh, little brother, you've you've kind of seen CJ through more stages of life than most. but uh, what's one thing you've learned?
3: CJ is always, I think, a little different than Carson. I don't know Carson's path growing up, but for CJ he CJ's kind of always been a leader since he was in high school, went on a mission. For me and all my siblings, he always kind of looked up to CJ. Ever since he was young, he just always was. Theater, he was kind of loud, exciting. Everyone loves to be around him. Everyone gets excited when CJ's up talking, wondering, <laughs> what, he, what, wondering what he's going to say next. <laughs> he's got a lot of good things up there, up in his mind. Up so, on that big, bald Up on that big, up bald, that head big, head. bald <laughs> nice, <laughs> ballooned head. <laughs> Is it big? You a big head? No, it's not uh, too, bad. It's not too it's, big. It's pretty. No, It's, it's, it's normal size. It's proportional. That's the only thing that matters. You don't want it to be bigger than that.
2: <laughs> you don't got a crazy dome.
3: Yeah, CJ's just always been a leader. I think he leads by example too. Our dad, I think, kind of taught us that. He works from sunrise to sunset. Normally, about two hours before sunrise is when he gets out of I bed. I mean,
1: honestly, this what he's trying to say is like, to be quite frank, like you you pose that question, like what's one thing he learned from me or or one thing he's taught you? It's like if I did teach Parker or any siblings anything, it was just generated from my dad. For anybody that doesn't he's, know, my dad's a sheep rancher and probably the hardest worker. We have to do some
3: sucky jobs after lambing each season. We have to clean out the stalls, and he'll clean them out with you. He doesn't need to. He's got a bad back. He's getting older, and he's still cleaning out sheep. I mean, I was
1: driving home with him the other day, and he was telling me he was going out to the desert on Saturday morning at, at 445. And the desert, I mean, there's how cold was it the other day when you were there? It was 15 degrees. I mean, it's just freezing. You're in Carhartt coveralls. You're out in the snow. It's, it's wet. It's wet. It's muddy. It's. I mean, he's taught us how to work for sure. I think
2: that's where Parker was going with that. Yeah. Can I make a little side note on CJ? Make and a side note, I think, please. So I've had how many phone calls with CJ? We've Thousands. talked. We've got, We've gone Thousands. the hours.
3: Three a day. <laughs> thousand a year. When,
2: when I, I think my first year and a half, it was about... At least five times a week and a minimum of 20 minutes of phone call. Hey, we were good friends. We were good friends. Good
1: pals. We were good phone pals. Good what yeah.
2: truck. Should I get? What? <laughs> <laughs> no, but one of the, I think like, and if anybody can do this and it has to be 100% authentic when you do it and something you can kind of develop over time and it truly like comes out, I feel like love. But One thing CJ is amazing at, and I think anybody would say the same thing is he's really, really good at making you feel good about yourself. Like, and that's so, like yeah. authenticity and like love, obviously. And so when he's talking to you, he's like, genuinely excited and cares about the things you're talking to him about. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's an amazing sign of leader because it shows that you care. But at the same time, he's able to get through the message that he's trying to get through to you with like love and care. Yep. And so you build a bond with him. He remembers it too. Yeah. Next time you
3: talk it. to him, he remembers everything you talked about.
2: Yeah. It's and different. so if I were to tell somebody like a good leadership tra- take from CJ, there's a ton of them, but that's definitely one of them. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's, that's nice you guys. <laughs> I'm blushing
1: I'm a little red
0: So what advice do you have for a rep who wants to be a leader and you know Ultimately with red it wants to open up a branch one day. What advice do you have for a rep that's trying to grow?
2: It's kind of like the respect aspect like I, I don't feel like I'm a crazy leader or anything like that but like I felt like I If I did gain any sort of re- leadership respect It was through just grinding my butt off into where it got to the point where it was like you couldn't deny what I was doing, you know, like it it came out of respect for producing numbers and just putting your head down and going to work. And so I feel like that's where kind of my leadership grew because I wasn't a huge recruiter. I never really had a big team or anything like that, but I just put up big numbers. And so if somebody was struggling to gain leadership and respect from anybody and to grow, I would say, put your head down and work like actions speak louder than words. Anybody can say they're going to recruit 50 guys, but how often do they do it? And so if you want to grow, and you want to become something, you know. First step. The first step is just, just Gr- do grinding. it. Grinding. Grinding it, yeah. yeah. Reaching out to people, recruiting as much as you can, putting yourself out there, making yourself vulnerable.
3: The off-season's long. It's eight months, yeah. and people a lot of times are lazy during that eight months. If you just spend a few hours a day at the office, you can start recruiting well, a lot of people. You can start training. You can become a leader. Yeah,
1: and, and going off Matt's point, it's a, it's a great point to dive into because it's like, so there, there's two sides of this industry, right? There's personal sales, and then there's recruiting, and they're they're both very valuable, but they go hand in hand. Like you can't recruit if you don't sell a lot, and mm-hmm. and and it doesn't have to be a crazy number, right? Like there's there's regionals in this industry, not not even at Rid, but in this industry that that sell 150, 200, 250 accounts and have a huge, massive team. And it's like, those are amazing leaders. So it doesn't have to be a lot. It has to be what you said, Matt. It has to be that you grind, that you work the hours, that you're going hard. The same thing with recruiting. It has to be that you're just, you're grinding, you're going hard. I think that's a great first step for advice for anybody that's looking to grow into a leader, not to hijack. Because I want to hear Parker's Parker's yeah, thought sure. on it too. But it's like, there's no shortcuts. Yeah, and and I think that applies to this industry and it applies to life There's no easy road like you're not gonna build a region or get into a branch if you don't go recruit You have to Mm -hmm. right and so there's there's no shortcuts. So put your head down down and get through it So parker the question was if there's a sales rep that's looking to grow Mm -hmm. And wants to become a leader and work towards starting a branch. What advice do you have for him?
3: Just be when you're talking to your friends Day-to-day when you're in your daily conversations, you just got to bring up what you're doing with your life. Everyone likes talking about work, what they're doing.
1: So you're saying recruiting. Recru- for that's, recruiting. For, that's
3: for recruiting. If you want to start recruiting, start a branch, become a leader when you're out there in the summer, you just got to start talking about it. People love talking about their work, want to be open about it. So what do you talking have to say Florida?
1: What do you have to say to the people that have a hard time doing that? Because I think for it, you that, that's natural. For me that was natural. There's other guys who have recruited that that's not natural.
3: Yeah, it is. it can be hard at first. It wasn't for me because I do it naturally, but you just got to do it the right way. Just like the doors, it's uncomfortable the first few times you do it. I was probably one of the worst sales reps for three days in this industry. Hold on, side note. <laughs> side note. This is, I hated it. This is I couldn't dead do serious. It, Cried once.
1: <laughs> Parker sold, what was it, 325 his first summer. The day Parker got there, I was out in market with him. And I went out to knock with, I, well, I told him to go knock and I told, I was like, dude, I'll come knock with you at the end of the night. I think Just I took go.
3: two laps around the neighborhood before I knocked my first door. I was
1: pretty, <laughs> was pretty nervous. No
3: segue. No segue that day. So he went out
1: and knocked. I will have it made known that Parker's pitch was truthfully probably one of the worst pitches I've <laughs> ever heard in my entire life. I remember calling my, I, I even called my parents and was like, mom, dad, this honestly, like, it wasn't pretty. Like, I'm, I'm nervous. <laughs> It was bad. But going back to that work ethic and doing uncomfortable things, it's like he stuck with it and put his head down and, and pushed through it.
3: Yeah, that's it was uncomfortable for me, and then I figured out how to do it, and pest control now is pretty comfortable for me to go knock on a door. Yeah. And if it's hard for you to bring it up in conversations, you just got to
1: do it, to figure out the right way to do it. So your advice is, if you want to be a leader, if you want to start a branch, you have to recruit. And if, first. Rec- and if recruiting's hard... Just put your head down and go like there's no shortcuts.
2: A a little advice on that. Parker always says this, but I'll sit down and fire out DMs and messages and hit up people and treat it like a job. Yeah. Just dedicate 30 minutes and a couple hours a day or whatever you want to really treat it as. And it helps put you in the mindset to be able to have those conversations because then it becomes more naturally. And if you treat it like a job, you're going to treat it like it's something real. It's money you're making, help.
3: it's a it's a nice job. So you'll yeah. you need to treat it more like
1: a job. You gotta put your yeah. head down and get through that.
0: Yeah. just like Toast was talking about, like the first few days were tough for him. There's a learning curve to anything that's unknown too. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about him getting out there and selling. We we're talking about leadership. And sometimes it is uncomfortable to have those conversations or to do these things. But just like you guys have talked about, there's no shortcut to sustainable growth and sustainable leadership like you've got to be able to just put yourself in uncomfortable positions if you want to be able to personally grow and do things that you've never done before if you want to be something better no, so for sure, agreed but Matt with you we've we've talked about obviously reps wanting to open up a branch and kind of the vision that we've painted there How was that vision kind of painted for you back when RID first opened up and the branch model, the incentive that it offers to you? Like, you know, why are you still here doing this?
2: Kind of a little story on this on like how we kind of got here and why I'm still doing this is so my third summer we were out in San Antonio, Texas, it was COVID summer. Mm. And I remember mm. we Antonio, love we love the Covens. I loved that summer. That was amazing summer. <laughs> that was a good summer. Isn't
1: it crazy? That was probably one of the industry's best summers. Best summers. Ever. Yeah, that was everybody. Was, everybody was home. Everyone everybody was home.
2: home. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Bringing another pandemic. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> Easy, dudes. I'm Still totally here. kidding. Totally kidding. To be here for five more years. Yeah. Oh, as long as we
1: can ahead. hire technicians and That's get right. the trucks, uh, yeah. bring on another pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say it.
2: No. But no, I remember, I vividly remember this. I remember the house I was out in front of, and I got off the phone call with the, the owner of the company, and then I remember getting on my phone- Who? With EnviroGuard. With Nate. Okay. And so, super cool guy. Like, the, like when yeah. I say this, like I mean this like out of like all respect to him and everything. But it was just like a turning point and like it was like my waking moment in my life. Like one of those kind of moments. Wait,
1: wait. so you're out in the summer. You're knocking. So I'm
2: out in the summer. I vividly remember the neighborhood I was in in San Antonio, Texas. And you're having this moment of like what? So, I called Nate. I was like, hey, dude, I have a question about one of these technicians.
1: By the way, way, for anybody that doesn't know, the EnviroGuard owners had like 15,000 customers and they probably are the most involved owners of any company. Like, he's calling the owners as just a rep to them, right? Mm -hmm. These guys are super involved. Yeah, they, they
2: were awesome. Kudos to them. And so, I called him and we talked on the phone and then I got on my phone, kind of broke my rule on the doors. I looked on my Instagram and I saw somebody else in another company. Wait, you pulled out the gram? I pulled out the gram. Yeah, dude, we might have to edit that. So hold on, Uh, we might have to edit that little side side note. So I was at, this was like five o'clock. I'm at like five cells on the day. So like I'm, like you should be feeling on top of the world, right? You're You're at five five cells. Yeah, it's a great day. But I was just like down in the dumps. Like I was just like I'm done with this. Like knocking. Yeah, talked to Nate on the phone. It was about a technician and getting a certain deal. And then I got my phone, and I saw something on Instagram, and it just pissed me off. And I was just like, we're out here making great money, but I was like, I'm so sick of making all these people so rich. Mm. I'm like, yeah, I'm making great money myself, but long-term, I'm like, next year I'm going to have to come out. I'm going to be doing this exact same thing. It's going to be the same dog and pony show for as long as I'm doing this. I think I was at like 480 accounts in the summer at this time. And I literally was like, you know, this is great, but I'm done with this. I'm figuring out something else.
1: Screw this. I want to go start my own company. Something, something, not even, not even in I was, I was Already like, yeah, gone. This, no,
2: that was not, I was like. No, but you, you had this I was moment. I like, am like, yeah, I have like, I have my real estate license. I'm pretty not like I'm graduated from college. Like I'm pretty well set up to where if I wanted to go probably do something else somewhere, I could probably make similar money if I put my head down and grind like I did for this. Yeah. And I was just pissed. I remember kicking this rock and it just flew. And I was like, screw this. <laughs> kicking this rock. <laughs> I, dude, I vividly remember kicking this rock and then just like. Just went out kept knocking. And I think I finished, like, it was a, it was an amazing day. I still remember the neighborhood. I think I went back there about five times throughout the summer. I think every house in that neighborhood. Finished had finished with
1: had a, 12 on the day and you are just
2: and like, I was pissed. hating life. Yeah, I, fi- I think I finished with 11 on the day. I got in my car and I was just like, I'm going to pick up Dodds. I'm pissed. I'm going <laughs> to pick up Dodds. Shout out Dodds. Dodds. We love Dodds. And so the rest of the summer, I was just, like, trying to scheme of different ways and stuff that I could get out of this rat race. Because every year, I'm like, I'm going to be starting from zero, and I'm going to have to do this every freaking year. Like,
1: where is this taking me? Yeah,
2: and I'm like, and but then the guy just got off the phone call. He's going to be making money for the rest of his life as long as his account stays active. And the person's Instagram I saw, I'm funding their freaking vacation. And so got in my car, left, and I'm just like, all right, this is kind of my last raw. I'm done with this. And then as soon as we got back from the summer, CJ we were in the elevator and he's like girls we're doing something we're doing something <laughs> and then we came up and we talked and they ran through the numbers explain the branch well, model Yeah, RID. R- 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 yeah RID ran is. through red the branch model ran through the the long-term equity and how it's real and how those accounts that i'm selling kicking rocks being pissed about making thousands of dollars on the day how they're going to pay me forever and that i'm not gonna have to restart every year it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders. I was like, this is amazing. We can grind this out for a couple more years, make amazing money throughout it. And then it was just nice knowing somewhere I can like legit plant my feet and build something long-term. Because I feel like everybody who does this job, they want something that's theirs, right? They're all making money selling to own something. Dude, Everyone,
1: And we talked about this in episode one with me and Carson, but everybody that thinks they're going to do this for more than two or three years. If you're on year three and you don't own your company or a part of your company or a franchise or a branch, unless you have a hundred plus guys, yeah, you are on a hamster wheel mm-hmm. that you're running, right? I always use this analogy, but you're on a hamster wheel, you're running and your company throws you a piece of cheese. When the summer comes, you gobble that cheese up. And by the next year you're hungry again and you're just burning calories on this hamster wheel. And you're like looking over at your owner like, hey, throw me another piece of cheese. Yeah. I'm hungry. It's like, where is that going? And that's the moment one, you had. One,
2: yeah, 1,000%. 1, yeah, that's interesting. And I feel like everybody's had that moment. Well, yeah.
1: right. I've had, I had that moment
3: my first summer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was it took two, me three summers to get there. My first Toes summer. I was,
3: I was two summer. months into the summer I would, and I was like, I only get paid on these once. And I, but wait, they don't they? Don't these guys, aren't they going to be customers for a long don't time? Don't they keep paying? Yeah, yeah I, I actually. You had that summer one. Summer one, one I got pretty upset one day that I only got paid on these customers once. I realized pretty quick I wanted
1: Dude, and shout out, else. honestly, to owner, Parker so. is so good at that. Like, that is something he would yeah. notice year oh, one. He's so smart. 1, like, 000%. dude, with all this gambling, like seriously, people that don't know Parker, he's so good at investing. He's so involved in the stock market and gambling in real estate and NFTs and anything new. So it's like, that doesn't surprise me that he figured yeah. that out year one. It took me probably three or four years before yeah. I really realized I wanted that. I figured out. I said, you can sell these
3: customers. You can. These are worth something. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I just realized pretty quick. Well,
1: and that's what led to when we opened RID, Parker was... The reason Parker got on board
2: with it is like
1: we knew he
2: knew that and he wanted it. It would have been yeah. hard for
1: me to knock summer
3: two without
2: yeah being an owner and that's what like i honestly the coolest part about red is you could go open up a branch with probably somebody else and you could have equity your buying's going to be a lot more but they're probably going to pay you a lot less in percentage yeah and so like for my lifestyle as a single rep like as like not having a big downline it's like my lifestyle is not going to change i'm still going to make the same amount of money but at the end of the day like your net worth is growing exponentially and you're going to be paid out on those forever yeah. So it doesn't really change your lifestyle. And you don't take much of a hit, but well, it's just beneficial.
1: And and one thing to add to that, that I think is good for the audience to hear reps internally and externally, if you're listening to this and you're interested in read and what the branch is, going off, what you guys are saying, what you're saying, Matt, when you had that moment, Parker, when you had that moment, that first year, as well as though, like, yeah, is it, is it, does it suck to build a branch? Yes. It's a grind. Yeah. Just like you're going to grind for the next five years at the company you're working for or wherever you're at. If you don't have ownership, it's a grind. But there's an end to the grind because once you can build your account base in your branch to a level that you're comfortable with to start slowing down, you can send a team out there to help replace it. There's so many options on how you can replace attrition, but the worst case scenario is you send a team out there that you guys are overseeing or managing. You're not knocking, you're overseeing the team. You pay a manager a great marketing deal to go run your team and replace your attrition. Now, I think we can do it through online ads, tech upsells, inside sales, outbound calls, upselling, termite. There's all these different things we can do, but it's like there's an end to the madness, right? And that's the anxiety you felt that summer. That's the anxiety you felt the first summer. That's the anxiety I felt when the companies I worked for by a snap of their fingers said, we're done, go figure out something something else, go find another Mm -hmm. plan. And they take it away from you, right? Yeah. And so it's like you get to build something that's yours that's going to pay you forever if we do this the right way, which we are. We're going to do this the right way. But there's an end to the madness, right? And I don't care what anybody says. It is madness doing that if you have to do that for 15 years.
2: Oh, it will exhaust you.
1: It would exhaust you. Like, it's fine when you're young, at a kid or two even. It's doable. Dude, when your kids start getting in kindergarten and they have friends and, like, I look at all these guys and... If you're leaving to go do summer cells and you're forty years old and your thirteen year old's coming with you, there could have probably been a better option where you stayed in the industry and weren't doing that.
2: We could honestly talk about this, I feel like for three hours. Yeah. No, it's cool seeing the light at the end of the tunnel being like you just start running numbers through your head and you're like, Okay, if we keep going on this, and if anybody wants to, you know, see these numbers, just come in and talk to us. Yeah like if you just like if we keep on this like conservatively speaking because it's happening right now with all these companies getting bought out like at the end of the t- this time it's going to be worth this much why we're going throughout it we're going to be making this much and if we hold on to it we're going to be making this much for the rest yeah. of our lives yeah and it will blow your mind
3: like the numbers are crazy
1: if it didn't blow your mind it will for sure turn your head and you'll perk up and kind of be like whoa yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize there was that much on the table that I was leaving and walking away from. Yeah. And I think one thing that's really interesting, too, with the branch model that you guys have recognized, so there, there's two options, right? Like, you got to build a branch. If you want to build a branch debt-free with just the first initial capital that we put in, it's really hard. You got to grow the right mm-hmm. way. You got to grow slow. You're probably going to have to market some accounts to use as some, some more capital to put in the... Like, there's a lot of different things, but... What's really cool about the branch and about RID is we have two options, right? So we have an option where if you hit the requirement, the 1.5 million right now, subject to change, but right now that's what the requirement is. You can open a branch and that could be 15, 20 guys, right? And you could just go take those 15, 20 guys every year. You don't have to be this like crazy person that has 100, 150, 200 guys, which in the industry, if you want to make three, four, 500 grand a year, you do have to have 100 plus mm-hmm. guys, right? Right and unless you can manage your margins and, and do a lot of things that that we can do as well as a lot of the industry but it takes a lot of guys to get really really big and so we have that option where it can be smaller and you can go slower and steady and, and it's a great path but we also have an option where you can recruit as many people as possible because we can market accounts and so we have both options
0: yeah it's best of both so it's the best of both worlds just to wrap up here with a couple questions. We've talked a ton about the leadership, branch models. Why did you guys end up deciding to partner together, and how has that played a part into your guys' success with the branch?
3: I got pretty lucky because <laughs> Matt was the one. I was just finished my first summer when I heard about it. Matt was going to start a branch, and for some, somehow I, I so had a meeting. I got called into this meeting that Matt, Matt wants to partner
2: So yeah, kind of going back to like what we talked about, like leadership, like Toast was definitely his first summer. So his first summer was my third summer and Toast was just the rookie that would piss me off because there'd be some days like, how the heck is he even close to me on the leaderboard? (laughs) And like, we talk about like, like leaders, like Toast was never running a meeting and he wasn't really doing trainings with his guys because it was his first year. They're all learning together. But Toast- Did he have guys?
3: Yeah, Toast had three guys. three.
2: Three or four. Yeah. And like, I just noticed like he was a silent leader right? Like he just grinded, put in the work and like, it was just the things that, you know, you notice. And so when CJ proposed RID to me, obviously they knew I wasn't a crazy recruiter. I haven't done in the past. I just would throw up good numbers. So you can either partner with somebody or you can go try and do this yourself and really go into lead. And I was like, all right, who would be a good strategic partner running through everybody? And then I was like, I I like I think this is our second meeting like after yeah. we talked about it and I, I thought about th- twenty people before my thought about yeah thought like literally ran through everybody I think and then while we were in the meeting I literally was just like what about toast like I'm like I love <laughs> working with the kid like we complement each other pretty good and he's got a network that I don't have because I didn't go to school in high school here like I I didn't really know a lot of people and I was like let's do with toast and it's been amazing since when we finagled, I would say, I mean, I don't know if that's a good word, but
1: it was crazy, right? Like we wanted to do a branch model and we had all these leaders who we knew would want a branch. And I think this is where everyone thought Rid was just crazy, like opening five branches and we had to partner everybody. And it was just kind of piecing together. One thing that was really cool with you guys though, is while we were talking to Shirley about that and he brought up Parker, we had already been talking to Parker about opening a branch as well. And we kind of went to the main guys and told them all what the branch is and what it looks like and it was just like the perfect partnership because Parker had put his head down and gone so hard in the summer we knew he could do a branch and he hadn't taken off with recruiting he had his three or four guys but I knew what he was capable of recruiting like it was just I just knew it like anybody that recruits guys your first year like nobody recruits your their first year typically yeah so that that was a good sign but we knew that he had that and then when you turn to Matt, it's like, yeah, you you hadn't recruited like crazy before, but what Matt had, and, and this goes to just working hard your whole life because you don't know an opportunity. Like, the reason it was the perfect partnership because we knew there wasn't a better leader than Matt that that could be out there that could run a branch and could do it. And so when we part them partnered them up, it was like the partner perfect partnership with those two with with Parker's network, Matt with your leadership skills. It was just kind of the perfect storm. So that I mean, was good.
3: We compliment each other pretty good. What advantage is
1: it having Matt work with you? It's huge.
3: Almost everything that I, I hate doing, that I get nervous about doing, Matt. <laughs> firing
1: loves. firing technicians. Firing technicians,
3: that's hard for me. when they Parker has a soft when heart. they don't want to be fired, I when they're begging me to stay out. You just call Matt. I, I'm just like, Matt, I tried. <laughs> Can you fire this guy? <laughs> Matt has no problem looking. Matt, yeah. Happy, happy to do it. I'll call
2: him tonight. Guys, you're making me sound like I don't have
3: a heart. <laughs> Matt doesn't have a heart. So, (laughs) I'm getting better now, but I hate getting in front of a room of 30 guys. I can talk for about five minutes, and then once I run out of things to say, I just don't know where to go. And Matt, he can get up and train for hours and hours and hours on different things, different topics, subjects, on the spot. He doesn't need to plan anything. He just can get up and go.
2: Yeah, I would honestly, I would say every skill and attribute Parker outweighs me probably 10 times the only thing that i probably have on parker is firing experience. technicians experience <laughs> experience <laughs> and then i probably am a little bit he's a little more, no I, i'm a little bit i'm a little bit cold-hearted in dude, a couple senses you, you guys, and i need
1: that i can't like need that that's good yeah like that. i'm okay
2: that. doing doing that stuff it's just that we complement each other really really well and parker does all the little things that i don't really love to do or that i honestly just kind of forget to do he does them and then things he doesn't want to do, I'm fine doing them. Happy to do it. Always.
1: Well, I can say from an outside perspective, and I'd actually be curious to get Isaac's thoughts on this from being somebody newer to rid and not having watched these guys forever, kind of what, how you saw it. But like from knowing you guys really closely, it was the perfect partnership because I think perfect partnerships work really, really well. And I can speak to this cause it was the same way with me and Carson. When two separate parties really need each other for mm-hmm. a skill set that they lack is a strong word, but it's like Parker had the network and the recruiting ability, which Matt has the recruiting ability. But I, I, let's just say the network, because yeah. Matt Matt's recruiting ability is amazing, but maybe that was harder for you. You weren't born here. You didn't. You weren't raised here, right? Like you're saying. But it's like Parker lacked. He never managed. He, had, yeah. he lacked the experience and not that he couldn't learn it, but to just be thrown out there, like he wasn't ready. And so it's like what Matt had is he had the experience. He had the leadership. He knew how to run a branch. He knew how to talk to the branch managers. He knew how to cut up area. And so it was the perfect storm where you guys both needed each other to make it work. And going way back to when me and Carson even partnered at Green X, it was a very similar scenario mm-hmm. where not exactly that specific setup, but, but similar where it's like we both were really good at certain things and not as good at certain things. And it made this like really, really good partnership. Mm -hmm. So you guys have done awesome at that. And so I want to ask Isaac from an outsider's perspective, maybe not as close on the company side with watching them, but from another
0: branch side, what you've seen. My biggest advice is having a partnership creates twice the amount of firepower that you have and the ability that you have to grow. But it also, you have to be super, super careful with who you partner with no matter what you're doing, whether you're opening up a clothing brand or you're opening up a branch or who cares what it is, you have to be super careful with anything, do it with the right person, find the right person. And I think that these two speak to that. Both of them were able to see how each other worked for an entire summer. This wasn't just like, You know, it might have sounded like just kind of a whim of the moment kind of thing like second meeting toast What about toast? But no, this was months and months of hard work Mm -hmm. Taking extreme ownership for what they were both doing And it just intuitively made sense to that point So, you know for me watching these guys it it makes sense They've done really well. We've seen the numbers. We've seen the branch, but really they created that throughout that first summer
2: I would say like honestly like an advice to anybody else that does start a partnership And this is what CJ and Carson like told I think both of us from the get go and it, we've never had an issue with it and like this last week kind of like speaks to the volumes of it is like there's never a question if somebody's out working or putting in more work with anyone and there's never have we ever had any we we've never had any sort of contention no, we like don't not keep ever
3: score we don't we haven't gotten yeah. any
2: like last yeah, like, week my little brother left on his mission and we started shine out in tampa and i was like i can't go like i felt bad leaving my little brother like the week before he left on his mission and there were already some of my family members that were there so parker's like yeah no no no, just stay don't like worry, we'll, dude. we'll go out and do it and like i left a month earlier in the summer to get a lot of other stuff like and there was just never any like and it's been like probably one of the biggest things like if i would say any advice to anybody and it's don't what you guys score. do don't, don't keep, keep score, score. it's yeah. just like you're each going to contribute and if I see Parker's freaking putting in work and I'm lacking in somewhere. Like it's just going to motivate me to go harder. Yeah. Don't keep score. Don't keep score.
0: I like that. You two led from the front this year and from all aspects. And when it comes to just owning what you're doing, putting your head down and grinding, if you guys could just speak to extreme ownership real quick, it's something that Carson Bird talks about all the time. And again, talking about the the culture that Ridd has – How important is extreme ownership to you guys and just taking full responsibility for everything that you're doing? I think the most powerful leader is the one that doesn't show he's,
2: like, in a sense, like, actions speak louder than words. And, like, Carson, like, he talks about extreme ownership all the time. And Carson could talk about extreme ownership all day long. And I would never, like, be like, he just read the book and he's, like, (laughs) just trying to, like, Impede rent. his philosophy on me. It's like, way. no, it's like, no. No, he lives. Car- it. Yeah, Carson lives extreme ownership. And so, like, relating to the doors, I remember there was one day in Detroit where Carson sold one account. Mm. And I remember, like, it was like, what the heck's happening? Like, Troy must suck. Like, it was just that one day. <laughs> Troy <Detroit> must <laughs> suck. The and whole, the whole yeah, city. the whole, yeah. And I remember we got back or something, and I was just like, dude, like, everything good? And he's like, Dude, I grinded all day. He's like, I can't remember the last time I went so hard and this one account I got was an upsell to a customer oh, on a mosquito and ridiculous. I basically had to pay them the entire year just to get it because he's like, I want to make sure that everybody knows I was working and getting a deal And I was like, dude, that is respect And like he just took ownership of dude it's not perfect every day you know I'm gonna go out and give everything I have and guys noticed that. But if he was sitting in his car, FaceTiming whoever, and then he's like, yeah, dude, I just kind of took it a day off, I've been like, well, what the heck's that about, bro? Next time I want to take a day off, I'm just going to remember that. Right. And he just takes extreme ownership. And so, leading from the front, not making any excuses, you know, it's for anything in life. Like, it really is. Just as long as you're doing your best and giving it all, it's contagious and the people around you are going to do it. And then... Owning up to your mistakes, being really logical about everything that happens in your life and when you're working and people recognize it and it's extreme ownership. The perk of doing
1: this, the, the thing you get out of having and, and living extreme ownership is it's like whenever you go as hard as you can and give it your very best always and just own that, everything else in life is going to kind of fall in place because you went hard at everything you do, which is going to breed success. Yeah. So it's 100%. like it's like why wouldn't you live like that? Yeah. And just give everything your your all. Own it. It's on you. Like you're in control. So it it's gonna give you a better
2: life long term. One thousand percent and it's like to even if you didn't
0: succeed at it, at least you
2: knew yeah. you gave it everything. You laid it all out. You there. laid it out there.
0: Yeah. Just getting rid of the the victim mentality, man. Just stop pointing the finger and accept accountability for your actions and that's a super freeing thing to be able to do so if
2: you can get rid of the word but out of your vocabulary Mm -hmm. that's key to extreme ownership in my opinion
3: i just hate being around guys that just have excuses all the time it was raining so i i couldn't knock or we had a hurricane coming in one day and we knocked through it but People all the time just make excuses and don't own up. No you own guys up did throw down up. on that we threw hurricane, down day. Through a dude, hurricane day. Down. The hurricane was, was one of our day. better days. Hurricane, yep. the clouds were just spinning well, dude, I, <laughs> around think, I,
2: think, I think it was because we had Hooters on the line. <laughs> <laughs> if
1: Hooters, if Hooters, Hooters was, was on the line, line in Tampa, <laughs> we you were, know they were going hard. We were Hooters, Hooters was Hooters. on the
2: line and you saw the dogs outside. You know Zach Dodds was going hard on the doors. Four <laughs> for four times Hooters was on the line. We
3: got it. Crazy summer! All those returned missionaries—they love they loved it. The Hooters. Colby, does Colby like Hooters? Colby, Colby is... loves Hooters. We just went to Hooters when we opened up Shine last week. Really? Yep. We went on big Tuesday. Big, big Hooters. We had twenty. It was our first day. It's actually
1: our best day. Does Ann and Chad know about Hooters? Um, I don't think they know. About Hooters. If, they, if they listen to this, they will now. Shout out! Shout out, mom and dad. It's yeah, oh, that's it's a good.
3: So they got some funny. good food. They got good. Better food than you think.
0: That's why you really go to Hooters. Bro, I'm not going to
3: lie. The
2: the wings at Hooters. They're good, dude. The wings at Hooters, like, make B dubs just, like, childish. I get the crab legs, too. Yeah, Toast will rip a fat stack of crab legs. Any
3: restaurant that has crab legs. You might get double. Sometimes I've ordered three. Three pounds
2: of crab legs. Yeah, you catch toast finger-licking uh, those crab legs with some butter on them, you know he's a happy man. Yep. It's a fun sight to watch. It's a fun sight. It really uh, is my
0: favorite. Well, if you didn't learn anything today, the one thing I would say for anybody that goes out to their markets and selling is make sure you're hitting up Hooters if you want to be successful, and that's probably the, the biggest thing. You need some Big motivation. R- R-
3: team. RMs love Hooters. <laughs> I <tell you>
0: <laughs> well, we appreciate having you guys on. No, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. It was it was amazing fun. podcast. We'll catch you guys on here soon.